Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to the online gathering for Samanach Baptist Church for Sunday, February 6th, 2022. Happy February. We can now say next month will be the start of spring. I'm glad that you've joined me for this online gathering. We do also gather in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. We would love to welcome you to our in-person gatherings. We are thankful, though, for this technology that allows us to stay somewhat connected. This online gathering is going to be called to worship in a few moments by a reading from Psalm 37. Before I read from Psalm 37, a couple of announcements. First, midday Bible study is still meeting on Mondays. So that means tomorrow at 1 p.m. We'll continue together here at SBC in the Fellowship Hall, our study of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Also, Wednesday evenings, we continue our midweek Bible study with Sandwich Church of the Nazarene at Sandwich Church of the Nazarene. That study is called God Talk. Learning to Speak Christian in Community. We gather at 205 West College Street in Sandwich at Sandwich Church of the Nazarene for a, a conversation about what it means in our day to speak Christianly about God. We're now called to worship by a reading from Psalm 37. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. This is God's word. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that we fret because of the wicked. We confess that we are envious of wrongdoers. We confess that we have not trusted in you and done good. We confess that we have not been still 
before you, that we have not waited patiently for you, that we have fretted, that we have not refrained from anger, that we have not forsaken wrath. So we need you, King Jesus, to be our shepherd, to speak to us a forgiving and healing word that we may be the meek who will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. So set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our reading from the Gospels today comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. Everyone there then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. This is God's word. Would you now pray together with me, please? Because in the mystery of the word made flesh, you have caused a new light to shine in our hearts to give the knowledge of your glory in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We come to you, King Jesus, in this season of Epiphany, asking that you would invite us and empower us to participate with you in what you are doing in Samanach, Sandwich, and the surrounding communities, and ultimately in the nation. A reading from Psalm 16, verses 7 through 11. I will bless you, Lord. You give me counsel, and even at night direct my heart. I keep you, Lord, ever in my sight. Since you are at my right hand, I shall stand firm. And so my heart rejoices. My soul is glad. Even my body shall rest in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead, nor let your beloved ones see decay. You will show to me the path of life, the fullness of joy in your presence. At your right hand, happiness forever. Amen. If we confess our sins, O God, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we now pause to confess our sins to our God who is full of mercy, who stands ready to forgive.
King Jesus, who said to the one caught in sin, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. When we walk in the light as you are in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Amen. O God, you grant justice to your chosen ones who cry to you day and night, so we pray always and do not lose heart. Gracious God, the light of your love cannot be overcome by darkness in your light and in your mercy. Lord, hear our prayer. The psalmist reminds us that you will show us the path of life, so we pray for ourselves and those dear to us. King Jesus, be the heavenly physician of Rachel's soul and body as she receives various treatments, as she undergoes various tests. We ask you to hold her and keep her. As Cheryl travels back and forth, as Cheryl loves as only a mother can love, we ask you to hold her and keep her. We name those who are going through relational difficulties, who are going through emotional and spiritual difficulties. We name before you those who are experiencing the long winter of loneliness. On top of the many after effects of the pandemic, we name those people before you. We think of them knowing that they are also in your thoughts and being held in your tender care, in your light and in your mercy. Lord, hear our prayer. You rejoice when people are reconciled. We pray for our community. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our nation. We pray for all nations. Trusting triune God that you are with us, reconciling the world to yourself. May we be instruments of your reconciliation. May SBC be an instrument of reconciliation. In your light and in your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. Where your spirit is, there is freedom. We pray for the world, for all who are ensnared in greed, violence, and oppression. King Jesus, we name before you those who are experiencing the oppression of evil forces in their lives. We pray for the situation between Russia and the Ukraine. Would the church bear witness to the God who is in Christ reconciling the world to himself? King Jesus, would you especially be near individuals who are experiencing darkness in their lives? In your light and in your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. God of light, your presence illumines even our darkest shadows. Gather the sorrow and pleasure of these days and remake them in us into generous hope, sober joy, tested faith, that our lives may be radiant with your love. In the example of Jesus, we pray, for the advent of your reign. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our reading from the epistles today comes from Philippians chapter 2. We only have two verses that beg for our attention this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved... Just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more in my, now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is God's word. Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. And all of us said together, amen. Fiat. I can't say that word without remembering my first year of college in Kansas City, Missouri. Ben, my dorm neighbor owned a 1979 black Fiat X19. This temperamental sports coupe was a five-speed death trap. It had no back seat. It was a convertible that preferred to have his top down. Ben referred to the car with masculine pronouns because he had named him Tony. Tony was his name, obviously because Tony was an Italian sports car. More than one time, Ben and I left for somewhere in the late afternoon sun and did not return until late in the evening. And because Tony didn't cooperate when we tried to put the top back on, we would freeze our faces off driving back to campus via the Kansas City interstate system. I have very fond memories of Ben's Fiat. He even let me drive it a couple of times. These memories are only loosely connected to what I feel Jesus is saying to us in Philippians 2. And the connection between Ben's fiat and Philippians 2 is found in that word fiat. Fiat, not the Italian sports car, is defined as a command or act of will that creates something without any further effort. Let me say that again. A fiat is a command or act of will that creates something without any further effort. It comes from a Latin term that means let it be done. Now, we can be tempted to think, especially in our tradition that emphasizes salvation by grace, and by that we mean salvation by God's action. We can be tempted to think that the triune God only does things according to fiat. In Philippians 2, Paul tells the story of the triune God's saving work in Christ. That story is most explicitly and gloriously sung in Philippians 2, verses 6 to 11. 
As we experience that song, whether we sing along or whether we simply listen, we encounter the one triune God who is willing to fall himself in order to rescue us from our own fall. These notes of the song, the melody, the harmony, the beautiful and tragic and glorious song is both preceded and followed by an invitation to us, the church. Verse five comes before verse six. What does that verse say? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, which comes after verse 11 says, therefore my beloved, work out your own salvation. The triune God's work in Christ calls forth from us a response. The self-emptying and highly exalting triune God of Philippians 2, 6 to 11, invites the church to participate with the self-emptying and highly exalting triune God about whom we sing in the hymn to Christ. On my and Linda's phones, we have a couple of music playlists called Kids Favorites. Now, often when I decide what music plays in the house, the kids aren't that impressed. They can only hear so much of you 2 and the Avid Brothers. But on these playlists that are called the Kids Favorites, we find songs that for the most part we all like, not just the kids, but all of us. Sometimes, when the kids are supposed to be getting up and ready for school, I will start playing one of their favorite playlists rather loudly. Why? Because I want them to respond. I want them to get out of bed. I want them to get dressed. I want them to gather their Chromebooks, their chargers, their backpacks, and their lunches. And whether it's Ed Sheeran, Disturbed, Imagine Dragons, 21 Pilots, AGR, or Bonnie Tyler, when I start playing these songs, I want them to respond. I want them to begin moving. I don't want them to stay passive and just listen in their warm beds to these favorite songs. Beloved, Philippians 2, 6 to 11 is my favorite song in all of scripture. But I am not hearing that song appropriately unless I respond in a certain way. What response does Paul desire in verses 12 to 13? These two verses, Philippians 2, 12 to 13, are in Greek and in English one sentence. These two verses spell out in general terms a grace-empowered response to the triune God's humble, saving, and exalting work in Christ. It is so critical for us to understand 12 and 13 in light of the fact that they follow the song of verses 6 to 11. First, the response that Paul desires of us originates out of loving relationship. The beginning of verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, when it comes to our life with the triune God, when it comes to understanding what a grace-empowered response to the triune God's humble, saving, and exalting work in Christ might look like, we need folks in our lives who, who tell us what it's like. However, those individuals should be those who can, like Paul, 
refer to us as my beloved. Those individuals should be able to tell us, like Paul told the Philippians, I long for you all with the compassion of Christ Jesus. That's in chapter 1, verse 8. Former Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam counsels young leaders with this wisdom. He says, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't ask advice from. Don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't ask advice from. That's really wise. And similar to what we see going on in these two verses, Paul has some really direct and far-reaching counsel for us. However, Paul's clear direction comes from within the context of a loving, sacrificial, and committed relationship. What people do we have in our lives who have earned the right to lovingly offer us direction? That is the triune God's blessed intention for us within the body of Christ. Second, the grace-empowered response to the triune God's humble, saving, and exalting work in Christ. Can you get the idea that I want you to remember that? That grace-empowered response splices together our energy to the saving energy that God is working among us. Are you familiar with that term, splices? Think of a wire connector that an electrician uses to splice together two different cords. What Paul is describing here is that in response to the saving work of the triune God in Christ, he desires that we would splice together our energy with the saving energy of God's work among us. Let's slowly saturate in Paul's instruction to the Philippian community. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word work describes both the Philippians' response to God's saving work in Christ and God's work in their presence. Notice first that the triune God is present in the community, transforming the community into the image of his son. This is so critical because Christ-likeness in our thinking is almost always, am I looking like Christ? And yes, that's something we need to be asking. But another question, and the question that Paul's after here in these two verses is, is our community looking like Jesus? Is our community by the saving work of God among us, spliced together with our participation? Is our community being transformed into the image of his son? So we're emphasizing the group and not the individual for at least two reasons. First, remember the commands that preceded the Christ song? Verse one, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and with one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Look, let each one of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. These instructions can only be obeyed in relationships. Dr. Bingham, whom some of you have met, with his subtle sense of humor, used to tell the story of growing up as the son of an oil man 
who was transferred nearly a dozen times during Jeff's childhood. That's Jeff's childhood name. I always call him Dr. Bingham, but when he was a child, people called him Jeff. Jeff desperately wanted to join the Boy Scouts, but he was never able to because they were always relocating. Mr. Bingham, Jeff's dad, after doing some research, learned that the Boy Scouts had what they described as the Lone Scout program for boys in Jeff's situation. Mr. Bingham enrolled his son in the program, but it just wasn't what Jeff thought it would be. Troop meetings alone weren't what troop meetings were designed to be. Jeff Bingham, present, camping trips alone weren't what camping trips were designed to be. Roasting your hot dog and marshmallow around the campfire alone isn't really that much of an experience. Likewise, we cannot share in the spirit alone. We cannot reject selfishness and conceit and embrace humility alone. We cannot look to the interests of others without others whose interests we need to consider in our lives. We don't have to worry about murmuring or arguing, verse 14, 15, and 16, unless we are in relationship. To quote Dr. Bingham, just as silly as the Lone Scout program sounds to us, the idea of a lone Christian sounds to Jesus or the Apostle Paul. Second, consider the way we are to splice our energy together with the saving energy God is working among us. Paul says, work out your own salvation with what? With fear and trembling. What can these words be describing? We know that Paul does not want us to stand in dread of the triune God Jesus reveals. Indeed, the triune God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, according to 2 Corinthians 5. Furthermore, the triune God about whom we sing in Philippians 2, 6 to 11, is the triune God who is willing to fall in order to rescue us from our own fall. That is not a God we need to stand in dread of. So what is meant by the instruction to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling? Let's consider how Paul elsewhere uses that phrase. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of the triune God to you in lofty words of wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In this text, Paul describes his ministerial approach as honest, as true and vulnerable to what he was actually experiencing. Certain things were making Paul in that day feel afraid and weak to the point of experiencing tremors. And in his ministry, Paul did not hide those negative emotions from those to whom he served. Additionally, this willingness to expose his weakness seems related to the display of God's powerful vulnerability revealed in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Transparent fear and trembling has something to do with revealing Christ on the cross. 
It seems as though the Corinthians warmed up to the idea of God's vulnerability because Paul describes them this way in his second letter that we have to them. Verse, uh, chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting to Titus has proved true as well. And his heart goes out all the more to you as he remembers the obedience of all of you and how you welcomed him with fear and trembling. Welcomed him with fear and trembling? When I'm welcomed into someone's life, I'm not sure I want them to do so with fear and trembling, at least not as I understand those terms. It's because to Paul, fear and trembling describes a sort of vulnerable hospitality. The same kind of hospitality, the same kind of vulnerability the Corinthians had shown to Titus. These two texts help us grasp that by fear and trembling, Paul does not intend us to be terrified. That because of some loophole or because we weren't good enough, that God would get himself off the hook of having to save us. No, no, no. Instead, Paul is describing here a congregation a congregation that sits together in the vulnerability that is making them afraid. Is that a situation that the Philippians find themselves in? Their leader is in prison. They're not sure if he's going to survive. They themselves are experiencing pressure that is creating for them a sense of fear and trembling. Paul is inviting them to face that fear and vulnerability together. The congregation that makes room for what makes them tremble is the congregation that will encounter God in their vulnerability, completing the work he has begun in them. The congregation that makes room for what makes them tremble is the congregation that will encounter God in their midst, completing the work he has begun in them. The congregation that doesn't push away the negative feelings. The congregation that doesn't try to rise above their negative feelings. The congregation that honestly confesses together, I am afraid, I am sad. Sometimes I even tremble with anxiety. The congregation that allows that confession of fear, vulnerability, and grief to bind them together will splice together their energy to the saving energy of the triune God who in Jesus savingly accepts our vulnerability himself. My beloved, the triune God becomes vulnerable on your behalf. This triune God never does anything by fiat. Remember that word? A command or act of will that creates something without any further effort? Fiat comes from a word that in Latin means, let it be done. When the triune God wanted to fill the world with little image bearers, he invited Adam and Eve to himself to participate. When the triune God wanted to cleanse creation of all that was destroying it, he invited Noah to participate. When the triune God wanted to bless all the nations with his presence, he invited Abram to participate. When the triune God wanted to liberate Abraham's family from slavery in Egypt, he invited Moses to participate. When the triune God wanted to heal the world of sin and death, he invited Mary, a Jewish teenage girl in Palestine, 
to participate. And by the way, do you know what she said in response to the triune God's invitation? Fiat, let it be done. When the triune God sent Jesus not to condemn, but to save the world, Jesus invited disciples to participate. When the triune God granted Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth and wanted to fill the nations with disciples of Jesus, he invites us to participate. Amen. Fiat, let it be done. Let us participate in vulnerability, in fear, in trembling. Let us participate with the triune God in the common work of becoming a growing community of Christ's disciples. Amen. Let us pray. King Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. We therefore ask you to empower us to obey you by going to where people don't know you and inviting them to participate with Jesus, not in the condemnation of the world, but in the saving and healing of the world. King Jesus, share with us your peace. King Jesus, empower us with your very life to participate with you, even in situations that make us afraid, even in situations that make us tremble, even in situations in which we feel vulnerable. Help us to make room for those things that we may splice together our energy with the saving energy of God in our midst. We pray through the Son and by the Spirit and all of us said together, amen. Thank you for joining me for this time of online worship and discipleship. I now invite you to receive our final benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.